Welcome to Improv Beat by Beat. I'm Curtis Rutherford. I interviewed 24 different improvisers and then edited together chunks of those interviews to investigate different aspects of improv, one piece at a time. This is episode 11, Auditioning. We'll return to the remaining parts of the Herald next week and continue talking more about the nuts and bolts of improv itself, but this episode is a little bit different. This episode is three people's experiences with auditions here at UCB in New York, and each one of them has had very different experiences. First, to explain the auditions, many theaters have auditions to find people to join their house teams. Here at UCB New York, there are auditions for Lloyd teams once or twice a year, depending on need. There's one set audition once a year around March. That audition is open to anyone who meets certain broad criteria. You've completed a 4-1 class, taken a class within a certain amount of time, whatever. That audition is then followed by callbacks, and sometimes several rounds of callbacks, before new Lloyd teams and Herald teams are announced. Also, if enough spots open up on teams throughout the year, there will also occasionally be another invite-only audition to fill those spots. If there are only a few spots to fill, sometimes people will just be placed directly on teams without having another audition. It's all up to the artistic director, and year by year it changes slightly. I initially thought about calling this episode Auditioning, an inherently unfair experience, because auditioning for an improv team is, well, it's bad. It's a bad, dumb system. Being on an improv team is a lot about being a good teammate, both on and off the stage, which you can't really tell from an audition. Being on a house team, which performs weekly or semi-weekly, is all about batting average. Have you reached the point where you can reliably have, at the very least, a pretty good scene? Auditions aren't about batting average, though. They're about home runs given a very limited number of times at bat. So an audition doesn't really test all that well how you will do on a team. But as much as it is a dumb, terrible system, it's the best one available, which is why nearly all theaters have auditions. Up first is Molly Thomas. Molly and I got put on Lloyd at the same time onto the same team. We also did our first round auditions together that year. How many times did you audition when you got on? Because we were in the same audition group. Mm-hmm. I only auditioned three times, and there there were three in a row, so it was like every mm-hmm. six months. Yeah. But I didn't go to an audition two years before my first audition. I think that year anybody could audition. Oh, okay. And I didn't go because I was like, oh, I'm not ready. Right. And then... Do you wish you had gone just to... I don't know. I think that, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty happy with how things turned sure, out. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy with how things turned out. So I don't know that that would have helped me, but I do, I do look at that and mm-hmm. think like, oh, well, what does that say about my personality that I could have gone for this thing and right. I just didn't, you know, I, I held back. Maybe I'm sure that I hold back when other people would just go for it yes. sometimes. So there's an example of that. And then the next year... I I hadn't taken a class mm-hmm. in a certain amount of time or whatever, so I didn't qualify to audition. So then by the time I could audition, I felt really ready yeah. to audition. Did the audition in which you got on feel markedly different from the others? Um, like, did you feel better? Did the audition feel better? Yeah, I mean, I I had decided that round 
that I was getting on a team. Yeah. Which I'm sure people decide and then they don't get on a team. Sure, so yeah. that's not that's not why I got on, but I felt ready at that yeah. point. I felt like I really knew what I was doing. Uh, I just went for it. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So and I didn't have the ability to do that in the same way the two auditions before. And so yeah, part of it was just doing those auditions prepared me mm-hmm. to get it the audition when I got it. I also so I did the the big audition that the the first time and then the right. second one was the invited audition. So yeah. it felt good to be invited and then I don't actually I don't remember if it was the first one or the invited. I actually I guess it was the first one when Nate Dern I didn't get a call back. Mm-hmm. So it was the first one. Okay. Yeah. So I got really lucky with this. Uh, <laughs> I auditioned the first time and then um Nate Dern sent me an email that said I don't have a spot for you to get a call back this year, but I see what you're doing. Keep doing it. Yeah. And that made a huge impact. Yeah. That went because when I first started doing improv, even when I was in advanced study and on astronaut union, my indie team, I thought that Harold was so competitive and basically it was so saturated already that I would never get on a team. And I didn't even again, here's me not right, yeah, yeah. pushing <laughs> myself to just do it. I thought that there was no possible way I would ever get on a team. And so I didn't even, that wasn't even a goal of mine. And then it started to become a goal. And then I got that email from Nate. And that was one of those kind of markers that pushed me forward with like, oh, well, shit, I can do this. And so then by the time I got on, it was, no, this is happening this time around. From the outside, it feels like such an either or proposition. And it is. I mean, you're either you get on a team or you don't. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. it's often hard to see or to feel that kind of like the almost got getting on and how kind of like a little bit random that is of like sometimes you were very good and you just don't get on. And then getting an email like that helps of, hey, we see you. Right. And I didn't, you know, 96 people got callbacks or however many people that time. And I wasn't one of them, but I almost got a call back yeah Yeah, and I got that email of we see you and I knew I needed to do more work than anyway of course I would have loved to be on a team but that helped me really focus and and just the confidence like oh he already sees me he sees what I'm doing so I don't have to worry about that part I just have to worry about getting better and having fun yeah how has uh now being on the other side of the table how has that kind of changed your view on auditions and that kind of stuff I think it's that thing that you said of like, you just don't know. It feels so black and white mm-hmm. and you just don't know. There's yeah. there's just, there's so much like almost or barely or yeah. like, you know. And, and then the other thing is I just truly want everybody to do so well when they walk in the door, yes. which I never would have thought. Coming yeah. into the room. I had, I had heard like in a casting workshop or something. Right. Like, we want you to be the solution to our problem. Right. Which feels different than what I'm saying, even though it's probably the same yeah. thing. It's like, we want you to do well. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's like really, truly, I just want everybody to have fun and yeah. do really well. And it is hard, like a little heartbreaking watching a, a, an audition scene not go well. 
And this is maybe the kind of like over empathizing thing, but it is like, oh, you're going to be thinking about the scene. I know you're a better improviser than this. Right. Shake it off. Be yourself. Right. But you can't say right. that. You're just sitting there watching, taking notes or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was Molly Thomas. Remember to push yourself to audition if you're already eligible. It doesn't really hurt to try. If nothing else, you'll get the experience of having gone through an audition. Molly and I talked a little bit about watching auditions, but I want to add a little bit more about that. Last year was my first year watching auditions, but one of the things that I didn't really realize until I saw it was that most people's auditions are good. These were first round auditions, and it was very clear who had a bad scene and wasn't going to get a callback. It was also very clear who had incredible, amazing scenes and would absolutely get a callback. But what I didn't realize is that there were many, many performers who had good scenes. And it was kind of a gray area. Within that pool of people who had good scenes, it was fairly subjective who got a callback and who didn't. Sometimes one of the people watching the auditions would think a scene or a move was great that the rest of us didn't really think that much of. Sometimes someone who had good scenes would get a callback because people in the room knew that person was a solid improviser. Sometimes that didn't help. More than 600 people auditioned in the first round of auditions here in UCB, New York. Fewer than, I think, one in six of those people got callbacks. I wish I could tell each person who had good scenes but didn't get a callback that, hey, you had good scenes. That means you were close. Or closer than a lot of people were. But the only way you can really communicate that someone had good scenes when you're in the audition room is by laughing. Next up is Chris Scott. Chris is on the indie team Thank You Robot, which is one of my absolute favorite teams. Thank You Robot has been performing here in New York City for about 10 years and has an incredible monthly show called Science! Exclamation Point. This interview was recorded the week Lloyd callback auditions were announced. Chris had auditioned but had not gotten a callback. Here's Chris Scott. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of baggage about Sure. Uh... Ten years, what? I did mean, not audition every year. Maybe seven times. I don't know. Uh, one callback. Uh, never invite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like it's like uh, you know. And I know I did, I audition poorly. Yeah, I do audition poorly. I do know that. But yeah, and it was this year. Was it was just like I know also all the baggage that comes with being on a Lloyd team and being on a house team. Yes, and. My reasons for wanting it are uh, threefold. One, I love coaching. So the idea of like going, working up my way up the rant, yeah. rank to teaching, great. But to be honest, they don't need another white dude teacher. Right. Like, that's appealing. But so that's also like, well, that's five years on sure. the road. Uh, if regular, having a regular gig, even if it's just twice mm-hmm. a month, where you're not booking the space. You're not booking the team. You're not worrying that there'll be no one there. Exactly. You're not worrying about ticketing. You're not worrying about any of that other stuff. And in theory, relatively, you're with a bunch of people who are going to show up, give or take, um, even if you don't like them and slam together. Ah, It's just like, oh, reps. Yeah. Getting reps in front of an audience is appealing. And then the last one, which is probably the most heartbreaking, is... I will always be an outsider to a certain extent. 
just because all the discussions when people are talking about it. And there's always the things like, oh, you know, oh, I'm never going to do play by play. Yeah. I'm never going to do couple skate. Right. Just those weird things that like those aren't that part of a thing. Or when people are talking about house team things, always sitting on, on the outside. But this year was the year I was like, well, there's too much baggage yeah. in it to like me try to take another class right. to, to do this thing, right. to go through it. Right. Yeah. I wish I had told myself that five years ago. Sure. Five years ago would have yeah. been the point where like, I wish I'd like gone like, move on. Yeah. But then I wouldn't have taken the convergence, which was one of my favorite classes. So yeah, yeah. So that's it's a, and also especially now it's like that kind of I'm going to say clickishness for lack of a better word, but kind of the like house team, non house team. Like I feel like it's it's more diffuse than it was sure, when we were coming sure, up. Where it was clearly oh, yeah. you were on yeah. Herald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are not yeah, on was, Herald. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely more dispersed, but it's a shared experience. But it's still a shared experience, shared and it's experience, still, it's right. like, oh, often when I'm, like, right. casting things or making a thing, it's like, whom did I see most recently? Right, yeah. Oh, it's Louie or Liz right. or whoever, right. like, I was just at a rehearsal right. with. I mean, it makes, I mean, like, it's not, my, me saying outsider, not anybody involved in it yes. who's there. It's just that shared experience. Absolutely. That, like, you know, yeah, if all your friends go to Coachella and you didn't, yeah. and they're talking about Coachella... Yeah, it's I don't, like, I don't, even though I don't care about Coachella, yeah. I'm like, well, I'm kind of feel like I missed out. Right, right. Um, uh, even I though sometimes like, Coachella is just a lot of people yelling at each yeah, other, and yeah. you pay a bunch of money, and all you right. get is two drink tickets at Coachella, right. and you don't even drink, so they just give right. you like lukewarm water, and it's it's fine, it's right, great, it's fine, it's fine, it's great, but yeah. you know, yeah. That was Chris Scott. I don't really know when to stop auditioning. I think you should audition if you're eligible. If you're not eligible, then it's a tough decision as to whether you should take a class just to be able to audition. My feeling is that if you aren't able to audition because you haven't taken a class recently, that's a pretty good indicator that being on a house team isn't a priority for you right now. Now, there may have been other reasons you weren't able to take a class, of course, so that's not really a rule or anything. Many people go years without taking classes at a certain theater, but still have regular practice groups or take classes elsewhere, etc. So again, I don't really know when to stop auditioning. It's one of those things you kind of have to decide for yourself, and everyone's criteria is going to be very different. By the way, Chris is also currently the coach for the UCB Herald team Ice Cold Bev, which is Morgan Phillips's Herald team. Speaking of whom, here's the last interview for this episode with Morgan Phillips. Let's talk about auditions, because we both auditioned a lot right before we got yeah. on. First off, like, do you know how many times you auditioned? I, I think it was 11 times, and then I didn't get in from the 11th audition. I right. got put on between auditions. Right. So 11 unsuccessful times. I think I'm 9 or 10. I'm not entirely sure. I, f- I feel like I maybe have set the record. Yeah. I think that's true. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm sure. going to tell people that's true even if I haven't because it's a shameful record, but it's a record. Yeah. What, do you, what did you notice auditioning year to year? Is there anything that oh. you like? So painful. So yeah. I don't think I ever got bitter about it, which mm-hmm. is, I guess I'm, I guess I'm proud of myself for that because there's just too many goddamn talented people and it's always going to be a slightly arbitrary choice. Yeah. There's going to be, t- you know, 10 people on nine slots and they're just going to, 
I, there's so many things about audi- the audition process that are just, just torture. And mm-hmm. I think some of the lowest moments of my life have come after years and years of auditioning and maybe thinking like, oh, this is, this might be the one. And then right. it's not, it's not the one again. And just that feeling of hitting my head against a brick wall. Those are the hardest ones where it does feel like, oh, I've got it. I've got it. I've got, uh, I guess not. And then you, I, I know for me, uh, and I'm sure for most people, uh, your brain starts to go to play, the really dark places of like, wait, am I not actually good right. at all? And everybody who's been like saying, hey, you're good, like they were just being nice. Yeah. I, I think also, little, like, you'll st- I started to wonder things at certain points, like, is there something about me that everyone hates? That's holding me back. Is there like a thing that is just innate in me right. that will stop me from getting on a team? Uh, and obviously, that kind of thinking is like just just super destructive, not mm-hmm. helpful in any way. I mean, let's say there was something about me. Right. It would probably be something that I couldn't change if it was that innate in me. So better probably not to know. Uh, and also, you only keep auditioning if it feels worth it. Yeah. Uh, I knew that I, and I know that I love improv and will keep doing improv to, until, well, that's not true. Maybe someday I'll get bored of it. Sure. Bored of it, but I, I've literally been doing it for 23 years and I haven't gotten bored. So I think I'll probably never get bored of it. Right. And I, I guess I kind of considered not auditioning again, but it just felt silly that as long as I was still doing improv and still taking classes, because I love taking classes and love learning about improv, as long as I was eligible to audition, why wouldn't I audition just in case yeah. I got on? So it was definitely like it may not have been the right choice life life wise for me uh-huh. to keep auditioning over and over again. I started taking classes in two thousand three mm-hmm. and I guess I I think I got on in two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen. I can't remember when, when exactly I got on Lloyd. And if I had put some I of think that 13, in because Big Revival was your first. Was that yeah, your first? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe if I'd put some of that effort into something else, it would have it would have uh, paid off in ways that would feel more satisfying. But uh, but if you weren't auditioning, would you have put like I feel like the thing like when people ask yeah. like why do you keep auditioning? I was still I was the same as you like I was still taking classes I was still making groups and performing it was just also on, I would audition every six months or a year. Yeah, you know what I think the only difference is. In the back of my head, there was always this goal of Harold Knight. Mm-hmm. And this was before Lo- there was Lloyd Knight. Mm-hmm. So eventually, the goal of Harold Knight became the goal of Lloyd Knight and then hopefully Harold right. Knight. So maybe just not ha- replacing that sort of like grand goal in my head with some other grand goal might have spurred me in some other direction. Mm-hmm. But again, it's, I mean, it's, you know, I made, I made my bed and now <laughs> right. I'm, I'm very. Uh, satisfied lying in it now. Right. It, it, it felt amazing to have something that I'd wanted for so long actually come to pass. Yeah. And I'm very, I'm very conscious of all the people who want to be on these teams. And I, you know, it feels ridiculous to me that I would be dissatisfied in some way yeah. or have feel that that was important that I felt. I mean, I'll always be dissatisfied with some aspect, sure. but to not, you know, to take it for granted, that I'm, I'll never take it for granted that I'm on one of these teams because I tried for so long. The other, the other side of it is I can feel, I've, <laughs> something I like is I can feel maybe slightly less bad for everyone 
unless they've auditioned yeah. 11 times. There's may- maybe there's a couple of people who've auditioned that many times sure. who are still, still trying and yes. still auditioning. And for them, I feel legitimately terrible, and I think they've probably gotten shafted. Uh, but for everybody else, like I feel, I feel bad for them, yeah. but like not eleven times bad. Like exactly. get back to me, get back to me uh, when you felt the level of despair I felt. <laughs> it's it, it very much is a little bit of like I understand your pain because every time I auditioned, I felt that pain for that like week after where you're congratulating your friends while also feeling bad about your friends who are cut while also mostly feeling terrible terrible about yourself. Yeah. But also then it's like there is a difference between when that happens to you for a couple of years and then when you realize like I love this and I'm going to keep doing this no matter what even though the yeah. theater doesn't seem to know what to do with me yet. Right. And there's – I mean there's so much improv in New York now. So really like if somebody – if I was like a young a youngster doing yeah. improv and I felt frustrated auditioning multiple times for UCB – I absolutely would go to one of the other theaters and, and try my hand there, see if it fit my style of improv better. Uh, and I've done a lot of work at, over the years at, at like Magnet and Pitt uh-huh. and, and, and really grateful to them for, for giving me stage time and letting me meet the amazing people that I've met there. But, uh, yeah. It, Especially since those other paths don't close off the yeah. whichever path. It is like, yeah, let me do stuff at the Pit and the Magnet and Reckless and Annoyance, whatever. I can still choose my home. Yeah, I, I guess the, the, there is that that horrible thing that's inescapable. That if you set in your head the goal of getting on a house team at UCB, yeah. and you don't get that, no matter how successful you are, and I, you know, I, I know eleven years or eleven auditions worth of yes. this. No matter how successful you are, no matter how much you feel uh, appreciated by people, there'll always be that little thing. But but why couldn't I get on Lloyd or why couldn't I get on Harold? If I, you know, no matter how good I might think I am or suspect I am or be told that I am by others, okay, but why, why couldn't I do that? Mm-hmm. So I can really, I, I understand the pain that, that uh, comes along with that. Yeah. And it's not, and the, the idea that it's arbitrary and there's a lot of like luck that goes into it, that's not a satisfying answer to tell yourself. It doesn't – well, for, at least for me. Maybe yeah. people who are like more evolved uh, emotionally and spiritually can take that as, oh, yes, yeah, so there's a, a lot of randomness that goes yeah. into it and arbitrariness. And just through bad luck or uh, whatever, I didn't get on. But I have, I'm satisfied in other ways. Right. I think if you're really healthy, you can, you can do that. For me, I don't know that ever would have fully been an option. I agree. And I know it's very arbitrary and it's a lot of luck. And I found out after I got on, uh, like, oh, these were some times where I maybe almost made it on or whatever. Sure. It really didn't help knowing. Yeah. Because it's like, you're either on or you're not. I still haven't come up with new goals. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life now. I mean, I'm going to do this for now, this podcast. Yeah, yeah. But that's as far as forward as I planned it. Yeah. That was Morgan Phillips. He and I both kept auditioning year after year because we loved improv, we were eligible, and we knew that we could learn even more by being on a house team. But the ultimate goal is stage time. You're an improviser because you love doing improv. 
We both spent a lot of time, when not on house teams, making other teams, performing wherever we could, and learning from everyone possible. So it made sense to keep auditioning. For me, it was definitely something that I wanted out of a sense of, not obligation, but I suppose designation. I wanted to be able to say, I am on a house team. That was a big part of it, and it's still something I'm very proud of. But by the time I got on, the terms had changed. I had seen other people get on before me and then get cut or have a terrible time. Or I'd seen people not get on and then do very, very well for themselves elsewhere. I'd seen people much worse than me get on teams. I'd seen people much better than me get on teams. And so by that time, I knew that being on a house team was just a small part of being an improviser. And that being an improviser is just a small part of being a comedian. So, although it's hard not to think of all the times I auditioned and didn't get on with some sadness, or maybe a wistfulness of what might have been, I know that I'm a much better improviser for having had to really work for it. In the same way that I wish I had the money to move to New York right out of college, part of me is also glad that instead... I had to work my ass off making donuts in Seattle for three fucking years, saving up money and paying off student loans so that eventually I could move to New York. That time was part of what made me who I am now, even though in the moment it was very frustrating and kind of hard to see how helpful it would one day be. I don't know whether this episode will help you. If you're about to audition, know that it's a rough fucking process. Have as much fun as you can during the audition and listen. Listen to yourself. Listen to your scene partner. Listen to your breathing before you go into the room and relax. Look at the people you're going to do scenes with and smile. Have fun. And in your scenes, react. On the other hand, if you have auditioned and didn't get on, I'm sorry. I know how it feels. It really, really fucking sucks. A lot of people know how it feels. If you love doing anything, rejection's a big part of it. One of the things that I've learned as a writer and that I continue to learn is my ratio of rejections to acceptances for different magazines or websites, etc., which taught me that For the most part, I just need to make sure that I'm submitting enough to ensure that eventually something gets accepted. I know I'm going to need X number of rejections, so I better submit X plus one number of times. Improv is similar. If you love doing it, you have to just keep doing it. So if you didn't get on a team, ask yourself whether you still love doing this. If you're listening to this intensely nerdy podcast about improv, my guess is that, yes, you do love doing this. And after you're done feeling sad, you'll go back to your practice group, or you'll make a new practice group, or take another class, or do any of the things you love doing with improv. On the other hand, you might need a break from improv, and that break may be temporary, or it may be permanent, which is fine. Or you may realize... I'm going to be an improviser. I'm just not going to be on a house team at this particular theater right now. Any of that is fine. But if you still love doing it, just keep doing it. That was episode 11, auditioning. This was maybe the most emotionally fraught episode so far, I guess, at least for me. But 
it's part of improv. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes or, I don't know, just tell everyone you fucking know about it. And if you have any feedback for me, please send it to improv at curtisrutherford.com. That is C-U-R-T-I-S-R-E-T-H-E-R-F-O-R-D.com. Thanks to everyone who's already done so, and thanks to everyone who is part of this episode. Molly Thomas. I am Chris Scott. I'm Morgan Phillips. And I'm Curtis Rutherford. <laughs>